You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, get your Bibles out this morning. Open them up to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, as we continue in our redemption series, all of that that just flashed before your eyes was all part of the working of God so that you could stand before God as a redeemed child of the work of Jesus Christ finished on your behalf. And that's the series that uh, we've been working our way through last summer and now again uh, this summer. And uh, it's an awesome work. As I said last week, every day uh, before you get out of bed in the morning, you should rejoice in the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. As you stand up, you don't go into that day in the strength that you have. You go into that day in the strength that we have because of the finished work of Christ. That's our redemption. We kind of looked at it through uh, three different lenses. We talked about that, the picture of a salvation. And in that picture, that's the picture of being like picked up and uh, brought out. You're drowning. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, And then we went on and we take a look at it through a picture of being redeemed, uh, being purchased back. Uh, But then we have this picture, this uh, picture of redemption and reconciliation and salvation. Those are the three lenses we look at. And, And today we're looking at a part of our salvation that we call a conversion. But we need to understand this all goes back to before the foundation of the world. God's uh, plan of salvation we see it being laid out in Genesis uh, chapter 3 and his working, a sovereign God who calls his children. You know, the amazing thing about salvation is not that somebody wouldn't be saved, but that anybody is saved. None of us deserve this grace. None of us deserve this blessing that's been poured out on us. And and so we've taken a look at God's working in our sinful state. We can't fix it. We can't do anything about it. And and then God chooses us and he sends his son. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that he regenerates us. Uh, This is a working of God. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. No man seeks after God. If we were left to our own devices, we would reject God. No one comes to Christ. And so the person who goes, well, I'm a seeker and I sought after God, just doesn't understand that this was God who did this work. He brought you to that place where you went on this journey that you thought you were on. And God brought this work of regeneration in your life. And then we come to the place we're talking about today. We're going to talk about conversion. Now, all these things, these things are all happening at one time. This picture of of a regeneration where God takes you from death to life. And then what we're going to talk about in conversion, it all happens like, like that. It's not a thing spread out over a long time. And so we'll talk about conversion. And then next week, we're going to talk about so many, or not next week, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about so many of the blessings that are just poured out on us at that same time. And what, we're, what happens to us in union with Christ, in the Spirit of God given to us, in our justification. I've made just as if I'd never sinned. And then here's a cool one, that I'm adopted as a child of God. All of that, all of that happening in a moment of God's amazing, salvation. Now we're pulling it apart so we can have a a better understanding of it and we can rejoice in it and I trust you are and I trust you will and as you're here today I pray that if you've never trusted Christ that you would get to that place today. You would see the work of Jesus Christ for you and today you would become a follower 
of Jesus Christ. So I trust you've got your Bibles open to Acts 20. Let's stand together. I want to read a few verses here really to bring us to the launch verse for where we're going in this message. Acts chapter 20 verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that is profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Now listen to this. Testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your amazing word. We thank you for the amazing work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for our salvation, bought, paid for, you, God, satisfied because of the work Jesus Christ has done. And Lord, as we think about this whole topic of conversion today, as as we think about what you have done and then our response, Lord, and how we come to faith, Lord, I pray that it would be a great refreshment for everybody in the room who is a follower of Christ, that we would be blessed by your word today. Lord, I pray for the follower of Christ who's not walking in obedience that it would bring them to conviction how, God, you could do such an awesome work and and we would set it aside so easily in the way we walk every day. And then, Lord, I pray for the person who's here who's never trusted Christ that today, today they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Lord, only you can do this work. We're asking you to do in this place what only you can do for your fame and your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, the topic of conversion and the two parts of conversion we want to talk about today are are so clearly laid out in that verse, verse 21, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks, so that's everybody, of what? Of repentance towards God. That's one of the parts of conversion. Repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is conversion? Well, let's understand, first of all, regeneration is what God does for man to give him life. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, Regeneration is the work of God that he does for man to give him life. Ephesians 2 says, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, but he made you alive. That's the work that God does. That's called a regeneration. But then we have this part, conversion. It's what man does in turning to God. Now, this is the our part in salvation. Now, not in the work of salvation. The work of salvation is all accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's plan being worked out and accomplished. Our part is in the response. And so I have a bit of a definition they're going to put up on the screen for you. Um, You can jot it down if you want, but I just want you to take hold of it. Conversion is a willing response to the gospel call in which we sincerely repent of sins, and place our trust in Christ for salvation. Now, there's two parts in that statement that are important. There's two parts in that that we want to explore and see today. Uh, Not only do we put our trust in Christ for salvation, but there's a turning, a repenting of our sins. And we're going to focus in on both of those things today. And so the first thing we want to take a look at is this idea of faith. That's the the idea of, of trusting Christ for our salvation. 
We receive the free gift. We receive salvation by faith. I'm so thankful to God that I don't stand before him one day trying to explain why I should be led into heaven based on who I am based on what I've accomplished, based on what a good guy I was, how many people I helped along the way. Because God's standard isn't goodness. It isn't how well did you do. God's standard is sinlessness. God's standard is this, this um, blank sheet that we're going to learn about is this gift that we have from God in our salvation called justification. And none of us gets close to that. And so I'm going to stand before God one day and he'll say, why? Winning salt, why should I let you into my heaven? And my answer is not going to be because I tried hard. Because I worked for the Lord. Because I was a good guy. Because I loved my wife the best I could. All of those answers get you sorry. I don't know who you are. The answer to the question is because of him. Because of Jesus. Because of what he did. He's my only reason, my only hope that I could ever think that I can stand before God. Well, that receiving, that working, that relationship comes by faith. It comes by faith. It means to believe, um, to trust. Uh, here's a couple of definitions that maybe will help you with this idea of faith. Uh, first one is that faith... Boy, it's going to come up on the screen in the magic of somebody pushing a button. There it is. Faith is a whole-souled movement of self-commitment to Christ for salvation from sin and its consequences. If you don't own the book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, I hope you can get it by John Murray. It's an amazing book on this topic. Um, but here's what, it's a whole-souled movement. It's, it's all of you. This is a, I'm giving myself over of self-commitment to Christ for salvation from sin and its consequence. Uh, that's one definition. Here's another one um, that might help you. Looking away from self and leaning wholly on Christ for salvation. You get it? It's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ did. And so you're going to transfer your trust from what you thought you were all about and how amazing you are to realize that your sin separates you from God. You can't fix this problem. And I'm going to transfer the trust wholly on Christ for salvation. It's the personal appropriation of Christ and his merits. I stand before God not because of who I am or what I've done. I stand before God with faith and hope and gratitude because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Because of what he has done for me. That's what faith is. Two kinds of faith, really, as we think in our walk, as if you're a follower of Christ, you have this saving faith. That's what we're talking about primarily today. And then we'll have sustaining faith that God gives us to go through every day as we grow up in Christ, to not grow weary in doing good and to keep trusting the Lord. That's in our sanctification. That's a, a few weeks from now down the road. And um, somebody gave me this little outline of faith when I was a teenager. Um, it's an acrostic on the word faith, and it's forsaking all I trust him. Uh, setting everything else aside, all of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of my aspirations, when I stand before God, it's forsaking all, everything else I hope for, I trust him. Faith simply is a transfer 
of trust. When our kids were little, and we were wanting to get them to do something, like they're learning to swim and jump off the side of the pool. I've talked to you about this before. I, I'd be in the water, and, and I would say, jump to daddy. Jump to daddy. I promise I'll be there. I'll promise I will take care of you. I promise I will catch you. And you see their little knees just shaking. There's fear, and they're not sure what to do. And, and then eventually, they take the leap. That's faith. They're transferring their trust from the side of the pool and what they were hoping in, and they're going to leap and hope that dad's going to, that's a hope. But they knew I would catch them, and that's why they were able to jump. See, that's a picture of faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Now, here's another illustration. Um, a per, a per, excuse me, a picture of a person and what they're trusting in today. You notice this stool is... A little rickety. Um, I hope it makes it through the next service. Um, a, a year ago, when we started this series, and I weighed 80 pounds more, and I was on a stool like this, I was really nervous about this stool because I'm like, "Is this thing going to hold me up? Am I going down for Jesus?" Right? And so, uh, and so, uh, this is what we're trusting in. in. If you're not in Christ, you're, you're you're trusting in all of those things. I I hope I'm good enough. I I hope I did all right. I hope and I, I hope the scales go in my favor. I hope that it all works out for me and. Uh, and that's, that's your faith. Everybody got faith in something. And you got your faith in this rickety stool that you hope is going to hold you up. The reality from Scripture is it's not. It's going to fail. And it's going to crash and burn. And it's not going to be enough. But you got your faith in that thing and you're trusting in it. And you're hoping it's going to get you there. And it's not going to work out well for you. Poor guy's going to sit on this next week up with the camera. I feel sorry for him. And... Um, and so there you are on your rickety faith on all those things you hope for. I, I hope that I was in the right family. I hope that my parents set me up well. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And it's all rickety and it's all collapsing and it's all going to crash and burn. Faith, then, is understanding what Christ has done for you and it's transferring your trust from this rickety thing that you were hoping in over to something that is solid and firm and isn't going to break and isn't going away. And that's the picture of Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. And so the question for us today is, have you transferred your trust? Have you made that move of, I'm not trusting in myself anymore. I'm not trusting in what I can do. I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ alone because he only will hold me up when I stand before God. This is where my, my faith has to be. See, conversion is a work that God has started in us in our regeneration, but it brings us to the place where we have faith, where we have faith. And I transfer my trust from what I hoped in and what I thought was good and what I thought would get me to heaven and realize that's all going into one big hashtag fail and I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's where I'm going to put my faith. Faith has a focus. Uh, when you, for anyone to have faith, there's some things you have to have and uh, one of the things you have to have is knowledge. A certain degree of knowledge is indispensable to faith. You, you can't put your faith in Christ if you don't know who Christ is, right? There's a certain amount of knowledge that you have to have. And so faith starts out with, a, with knowledge. And then that knowledge moves to conviction. 
Um, that's the activity by which we firmly accept the teaching of God's word as being true. And so I, I start out with this knowledge that comes through knowing the word of God. And maybe a visitor has been bringing you to church and you've been hearing the word of God. Or maybe you got involved in one of the ministries and you're hearing that. And maybe you're coming and you hear me every week talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and going through the word of God and going through the verses. And, and so you've got this knowledge and now it's moving into conviction in your life. And you're wondering, what am I going to do about this and I, I believe this is true and, and conviction and then it moves thirdly then to to trust to trust where the knowledge I have moving conviction moves me to the place where I put my trust in Christ alone that's faith that's faith the source of our faith Here's an amazing reality because even in this part of our salvation that we see is the part that we do, the part that we respond to, even that, the ability to do that comes from God. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. The grace is a gift from God, but the faith is also a gift from God. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. It's not about all those things so that no one can ever boast. This amazing gift of grace comes from God. The ability to come to the place of transferring your trust is, is a gift to you from God. Even that, although you respond in it, even that is a gift that comes from God. It's a gift. It's not a reward. We talked about this last week and just introduced it last week. I want to go to it right now and talk about it. We, we get those words confused in English. We, we, we think about um, a gift as basically anything that you give to somebody that they didn't buy. And so you have, for instance, you have um, the parent who comes into a school program and works so hard to make little Johnny, Susie, and all the little kids do their thing. And at the end of it, everybody claps. And it's wonderful. And they bring that person up on stage. And, and they're thankful for them because of all the work that they did. And, and they bring out a big bouquet of flowers or some chocolates or whatever. And, and they give them to them as a way of saying thank you. And, and we think that that's a gift. It's not a gift. It's a reward. You did something. And then you got this in return. It's not wrong. It's a wonderful thing that they would do that. But that's not a gift. The gift is when you've done nothing. And you didn't deserve anything. And then the gift is still given to you. And that's the picture of what's happening in our faith. I didn't deserve God's favor in any way. I didn't do anything to deserve God's favor. And for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift that comes from God. This grace that we have is a gift. It's a gift from God. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, pastor, is there reward in Scripture? Yeah, there is reward in Scripture, but it's for the follower of Christ. It's for the believer. In uh, 2 John 1 verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Uh, there be a full reward for the follower of Jesus Christ who walks in faith and, and grows up in Christ. And here's the cool thing, and then we're going to give all that back to Jesus anyways. But, but there is this picture in Scripture, but it's not the part that saves you. The part that saves you purely is a gift that came from God that you didn't earn and you didn't deserve, and, and God did it for you. 
Well, what about the object of our faith? The object of our faith is not a creed. It's not a set of biblical facts. The object of our faith is not to be part of this church. Um, it's cool that we have a group of people who are visiting with us in our service today who go to a different church. And uh, my understanding is the transformer outside of their church blew up whatever the transformers do. And they had no power at their church today. Um, not that they don't have power in their church. God's working in their church all the time. <laughs> don't want that being taken back to the church. The pastor said you guys have no power. Well, <laughs> just electrical power. Okay. Um, uh, but they're here and uh, thankful for that. But as I understand the testimony, they're followers of Christ, just like we are followers of Christ, right? It's not like I belong to a church, therefore I belong to Christ. It's not like I belong to my family, therefore I belong to Christ. Faith is not in your church. Faith is not in some creed. Faith is in a relationship. And that relationship is with Jesus Christ, his working in our lives. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son, that's the relationship. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Ephesians 1, 15 says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all of the saints. And so this faith that we have, this transfer of trust, it's not into a creed, it's not into a church, it's not into a system. It's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Have you transferred your trust? Is it true in your life that your faith is in Christ alone? That you'll stand before God because of him. I'm with him. That's my only hope. That's my only confidence. I'm with Jesus Christ. See, to be converted, you have to have faith. You have to transfer your trust from what you were hoping in and trusting in to Jesus Christ alone. That is faith. It's difficult for some because in our world, our pride and selfishness, it gets in the way and I don't want to surrender the things that I have and Until God does that work and you come to the place of brokenness in your own self, you can't be saved. But when you come to it and God breaks you of yourself, not only are you saved, you're saved and you're protected and you're kept for eternity in this amazing work of God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 talks about our faith. It says, without faith, it is what? You fill it in. Without faith, it is? It's impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You don't please God through your actions. You don't please God through your doing. You please God through a transfer of your trust by faith. Setting aside your pride, setting aside your, you say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Your story is every person in the room who had to set aside who they thought what they were about and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Have you transferred your trust by faith? Second part of conversion we want to talk about that comes out of that verse in Acts 20. says, repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We receive the free gift by repentance. We receive that free gift by repentance. A couple definitions of repentance to put up. I trust one or both of them will be helpful for you. Uh, here's the first one, definition of repentance. Repentance is... Um, that's converted. Keep going. There we go. Repentance is a heartfelt sorrow for sin. A heartfelt sorrow for sin. A renouncing of it and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. That's a definition of repentance. A heartfelt sorrow, a brokenness in myself for sin, a turning from it, I'm, I'm against this, a renouncing of it, and a sincere com commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience to Christ. You like that one, or you try this one. Uh, repentance is the conscious turning of the regenerate person. See, that's the key here. This turning doesn't happen until God starts the work, but it's the conscious turning of a regenerate person away from sin and toward God in a complete change of living, which reveals itself in a new way of thinking, feeling, and living. So here's the picture of it. Outside of Christ, I'm walking this way. I'll go this way because I'm going towards that stool that's a mess. I'm walking this way, and this is what I'm trusting in, and this is what I'm hoping in, and this rickety thing's not going to hold me up, and it fails, and I transfer my trust, I put my trust in Jesus Christ, that's faith, but I turn in repentance. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not trusting in this stuff anymore. I'm going in a new way. I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is found in him. See, that's repentance. You cannot have salvation without having repentance. Salvation doesn't come like a ticket that you get, and now I've got my ticket, I can live however I want. Repentance is a result in our lives. It's the transformation that happens as God works in us. It, it comes out of the reality of I understand who I am and how God has been working in me, and repentance is the natural thing that any follower would do when you get hold of the awesome work of Christ. I'm not going to be like that anymore. I'm going in a new way. The Greek word is uh, metanoia. It means to have another mind. Interesting, the churches in Romania, um, metanoia is right in their title. Um, it's not Harvest Bible Chapel in Romania. It's Harvest Metanoia. So they call their church Harvest Repentance Chapel. Can you imagine we put that on our sign? Harvest Repentance Chapel. I think we probably should. I think it would be a good thing because it's the ultimate of how we have been changed in Christ and what he does in our lives. That's this picture of repentance. It's found all through Scripture. The Old Testament prophets, they beat on the drum of repentance, repentance, repentance. John brought a message of repentance Jesus preached repentance. The 12 preached repentance. The gospel of Jesus Christ it tells us to preach repentance. The New Testament is filled with verses about repentance. This verse we're looking at, repentance is part of the believer's life. And it starts at the moment of our salvation. 
I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm trusting in the wrong things. I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And in the same moment, I turn and I repent and I start to move in a new way. Now, as followers of Christ, we still have to live a life of repentance. We'll come back to that in a second. But, but we have to understand what repentance isn't. Repentance isn't just a change of direction. Right? It's not just a change of direction. Because we have that happen in our lives all the time. We deal with an area of sin, follower of Christ, deal with an area of sin in your life, right? You've been dealing with it for too long. And, and every once in a while, the Spirit of God works in your life and you get this overwhelming sense and maybe you cry or you come to this and you go, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. So I'm, I'm going this way. I'm going this way. and I'm not going to do that thing anymore. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. And you turn around and you go in a different way. and It goes well for a couple of weeks and then it doesn't, it doesn't last. And then why doesn't it last? Well, because you changed your direction, but you didn't change your mind. You didn't change your mind. You didn't hate that thing. You just didn't want to get caught doing it again. You just didn't want the pressure of having to face an accountability partner. Uh, and so your, your reason for not doing it is because I don't want to get, I just, I, it's too much grief for me now. And so you know it's a sinful thing, but you don't change your mind. Well, that picture is true in our salvation. I was trusting in these things. I was trusting in my good works. I was trusting in my heritage. I was trusting in the church I went to. And I'm repenting of those things. And we don't go back to those things. We change our mind about that. So that when somebody says to you about your faith, where is your faith and where is your hope? It's, no, it's in him. It's in the work of Christ. It's in what he's done. I've repented of all of that stuff. Salvation is more than a transfer of trust in faith. It's a change of view, a change of direction in repentance. Repentance involves the whole person, the mind first, that intellectual element, um, coming to the place of understanding the knowledge of sin, understanding a little bit of God and his holiness, coming to the place of understanding yourself. There's an intellectual part. Um, remember the story of um, the prodigal son and he wanted from his dad his inheritance. He goes off and he messes his life up royally. And uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 17 says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. See, he had a mental ascent. He understood that where he was was a bad place to be. But it's more than a mental ascent. It involves the emotion, a sorrow for sin. In 2 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 9, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved. This is Paul bringing the truth to these people. Um, because you were grieved into repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Godly grief, I'm walking this way, I'm walking this way. Oh no, I am a sinner, I have no hope. Look what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Godly, godly grief leads to repentance. I'm not going that way anymore. I have changed my mind. My heart is now caught up in this. And ultimately, it's a volitional change of our will. 
It's a change of decisions based on a change of mind. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So in summary, repentance then is the informing and changing of the mind, stirring in direction of the emotions to urge the required change and the action of a yielded will in turning away from sin and turning to God. Have you done that in your salvation? Have you been overwhelmed with God's goodness and his favor and understand the mess you are? And I'm going to turn. And I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. See, it's true in our salvation, and hey, every follower of Christ, it's true every day in our walk with him when we find ourselves caught up in sin. We're not perfect yet. We'll get when we get to glory. It'll be a whole different thing. But in this sanctifying process as we grow up in Christ, we find ourselves in sin. And same old thing. You've been struggling with the same thing for six years. Why? I'll tell you why. Because you try to change direction, but you haven't changed your mind about that thing. Repentance, we're called to it. Repentance is an ongoing thing for the believer. And um, in the scriptures, it talks about the reality of how we will continue to work this through for the glory of God. In Acts 11, verse 18, it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads us to life. We're saved by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. But repentance is a part of our salvation. It's a part of the working of God. I love this statement. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for all of you. But the statement would go like this. If your faith has not changed you, your faith has not saved you. If your faith hasn't changed you, then your faith hasn't saved you. Because I can't be what I used to be because of the awesome work of Jesus Christ. But one more thing as we think about this in the context of salvation, and that's that uh, faith and repentance work together. They work together. Um, it's like um, uh, two sides of the same coin. Your conversion is made up of faith and repentance. Two sides of the same coin. It's not like one happens and a week later, the next one happens. Regeneration, faith, repentance, then a whole bunch of stuff we're going to see in two weeks. They all happen like this. It's like this it happens. Sometimes like, the theologians like to get into the discussion about which comes first. Does repentance come first and then faith? Or does faith come first and then repentance? It happens like this. It, it, it's like that that it happens. No matter who's in the argument, they would all agree it's like this. See, the struggle, if you get repentance too far out in front of faith, is now your faith is based on works because I've got to do something before I get saved. No, no, you're made alive by God in Christ. 
And faith and repentance, two sides of the same coin, uh, they happen in our lives. But, but it's important for us uh, to understand that. There's no priority. The faith that is under salvation is a repentant faith. And the repentant and repentance that is under life is a believing repentance. Saving faith is permeated with repentance, and repentance is permeated with saving faith. That comes out of redemption accomplished and applied as well out of that book. It's, it's a great picture. These things happening together in unity where I'm putting my trust in Christ. I am turning. I am going in a new direction. Why? Because of the awesome work that God has done in me and for me and is going to do through me for his fame. What an amazing truth. We will have faith to walk every day. We will need to repent lots of times in our walk because Christians aren't perfect. I think sometimes we think of ourselves, oh no, people look at me, they say I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You're a sinner saved by grace. And God is working in you. So don't put yourself up there like you're something when this is all about what God does. And you're going to need a lot of grace. You're going to need have faith every day to walk forward in your walk. And you're going to need to repent a lot. It's a picture of what God has done in his salvation for us. And it's an awesome, amazing, amazing picture. Well, well, so what? So what? For those of you visiting today, that's something I say in every message. Um, so what? I brought out of my office my little friend. Um, if you can't see it, it's an elephant. Um, and uh, sometimes when somebody comes in my office and we need to talk about something that's uncomfortable, the, my little elephant's over there, and I put him in the middle of my desk, and I say, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> right? And they do what you do. They giggle, and it kind of breaks the ice, and now we can talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, George and I had the guy in from our health and dental plan the other day, and we were talking about them, and there was a thing that we needed to talk about as it relates to all of our churches together and trying to figure some stuff out, and we needed to talk about it, and he needed to talk about it, and we knew we had to get into the conversation. We're not getting into the conversation. I grabbed my little elephant, and I put him in the middle of the desk, and he goes, what's that for? I said, because we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And he did what you did. He laughed, and he goes, I'm stealing that idea for sure, <laughs> right? And uh, so we talked about the thing, and it was a great conversation, and we got it all cleared up, and there was no big problem, and we just needed to talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room today is the travesty that it would be to preach this message and then not give you an opportunity to respond by faith in Christ in repentance to the gospel that's been poured out for us. That would be the elephant in the room today. That's the travesty that if someone came today and walked out and said, well, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And you know, there, there's probably some people in the room, God is working in your heart right now. And you're like, I need to do that. I, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't know. I, I need to do that. And you need to come to the place where you transfer your trust from this rickety old thing that you were hoping in and realize it's going to lead you to nowhere except hell and put your trust in Jesus Christ and have the hope, the confidence, the assurance of Jesus Christ. We could talk about it in the context of the ABCs of the gospel. You need to admit. You need to believe. You need to confess. 
And you're saying, well, I'm not good enough. No, you're not. None of us are. We're all sinners. That Christ came and his grace poured out for you. His sacrifice poured out for you. He did it all for you. He's offering you this gift. And today you need to receive the gift. You need to admit you're a sinner. You need to believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And you need to confess that to him and to others and you will be saved. That's one way you could look at the ABCs. I got another thing I want you to think about today. I call it the three R's of salvation. The first one is recognition. The recognition of sin and its consequences. See, this is not something to play around with. This is not something that, well, someday I'll get to it. God is working in your heart. This is the day of salvation. You come to the place of recognition of sin and what the consequences of that sin are. You see, every, every single person, saved, unsaved, is going to kneel before God one day and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And sadly, and maybe even sadly in the room, there are some people who are going to kneel before God and admit that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God's going to say, never knew you. Never knew you. And you'll spend eternity in hell. It's a recognition of sin and its consequences. Others are going to put their faith and trust in Christ, and, and they're going to, before the Lord, bow the knee and see Jesus say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and to be welcome into my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. The three R's of salvation, one is recognition of sin and its consequences. The second one is repentance. It's that turning, acknowledge my sin and turn to the Lord. And then the third R is receive. Receive the Lord Jesus as Savior by faith, by believing, by transferring your trust. We say, well, how do I do that? Well, there's no mystical statement that happens. This is a transaction of your heart that happens, right? This is something that God is doing in your heart and in your life, and you've never trusted Christ. It's a, a transaction of, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, but the best way for us to do that, the most easy way for us to do this, is to talk to the Lord, to talk to God. You say, I've never talked to God. You can talk to God right now. In your heart. You come before him with the understanding of how messed up you are, how hopeless you are, what Jesus Christ has done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Your prayer might sound something like this. And if it's your prayer, you can pray it even as, I, as I'm saying it. Just pray it in your heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. However, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm with him because of him. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. Amen. Have you done that today? Have you trusted Christ? If you did it even while you were here, before you leave this, tell someone. Tell the person who you came with, well, if people at the front, you come and tell us, I've put my trust in Jesus Christ alone. What an awesome story that would be.
You can put the definition of conversion uh, back up on the screen because we understand that God has done this work for us and in us and then this is our response, a willing response to the gospel call in which we sincerely repent of sins and place our trust in Christ for salvation. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But hey, follower of Christ, this is the good news for us. This is the we win. This is, this is awesome for me. Pastor, why would you take a whole message and talk about salvation? Because salvation is awesome. This is the working of God in our lives. Before you put your feet on the floor in the morning, rejoice in the salvation you have. Rejoice in the fact you're not trusting in this rickety old mess anymore, but you're trusting in Jesus Christ. He is your hope. And then live out of that by faith, repenting when you need to, confessing your sin and trusting in what God has done as he keeps you and you look forward to what you're going to have in eternity. That's the awesome work of God in our conversion. It's a challenge to the person who's never trusted Christ to believe and be saved. And it's a great hope if you're a follower of Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the principles that come from it. Thank you for the truth that my salvation is not made any better by who I am. It was completely accomplished in Jesus Christ. And Lord, when I was eight years old and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that I understand repentance like I understand it today. No, I'm still growing in Christ. But Lord, thank you for that work that you did in me and have done in so many people in this room. Would we rejoice in the hope we have. And God, if we've got sloppy in our faith and we need to get some things right today because we've got our focus back on who you are, then Lord, do that work in us. Do that work for your glory. And Lord, I pray for the one in the room who's never trusted Christ or today is trusting Christ. You would, Lord, you just lead and direct and guide and work for your glory and your fame in their life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.